Hello, everybody. Welcome to your newest episode of Max Sports. My name is Max. We had a crazy, hectic week in football. I'm here to break it down with you guys, share the things that I took away from every single game that took place this Sunday before we specifically break down Monday Night Football. I've already given you the picks back on Thursday when Thursday Night Football started, but let's see how all of the games that we've seen so far have turned out. This was one of my worst weeks so far in all the football, so let's see how this crazy week seven ended up for me when it came to my predictions and the standings around the NFL. Let's get the episode started off right. Okay, this was a crazy week for me, I'll admit with you. I went four and eight through this week's week seven picks, um, the show that I do with you every Thursday. So I, I got one pick right for you that I'll share now, which was Jacksonville. I told you to take Jacksonville over the New Orleans Saints. But other than that, this is not only the first week that I've done worse than 500. This is the first week I've had a losing record in general um, and either thing in college or in the pros. So this has been a disastrous week for me when it comes to the picks. Uh, again, four and eight is bad. If you're counting just this Sunday, just the Sunday slate of games, that's three and eight. So let's break down each game. What happened? What took place? Something I got maybe as a little takeaway from every single game that happened this Sunday night before we um, kind of do a, a big analysis on the Monday night matchup coming up. To start things off, we got the Buffalo Bills losing to the New England Patriots. This had to be a shocker, and this has to hurt even more for Bill fans, knowing that with a win today, you would have gotten not only uh, to 5-2 and two on the season, you would have beaten the Patriots again, almost eliminating them from the, the division, if we're being honest here, and you would be back in first place in the AFC East. That sucks, and that's quite a tough pill to swallow. The Bills did not look like themselves in the first half, allowing the Patriots to get to an early lead. However, late in the fourth quarter, the Bills get some quick strikes out of nowhere to take the lead in the fourth quarter. I myself thought, oh, yep, this is what's going to happen. It's a weak New England team. Buffalo's the team that we all got to keep an eye on. No, they'll, they'll win. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, no. Mac Jones led a game-winning drive, leaving only 12 seconds left on the clock as he dotted the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. Patriots win. This is also Bill Belichick's 300th career uh, regular season win, which is just absolutely insane to me. I didn't know that that big of a number could exist when it comes to amount of games you win as a head coach. So again, we know that the Patriots have had a rough season. They are two and five and their chances for a postseason run are a little slim to none. We'll just say that. But that being said, 300 wins. You got to give Belichick credit when credit is due. And it is today. Another game I got wrong were the Washington commanders losing on the road to the New York giants. If I had told you that the commanders, we're going to hold the Giants to two touchdowns in this game, you would think that they probably would have won. However, that was not the case. I kind of expected more out of Washington this year. I thought they were going to maybe be an eight or nine win team. How they have been playing, though, in recent games, and the biggest concern to me, which I'll address in a sec, uh, how they play in the bigger games, though, or division rival games, have really been frustrating me. They lose this game to a Giants team with a backup quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. And, and while he is a very experienced vet who has started in multiple spots before, it's still a backup quarterback. You should be able to beat a team without their 
starting quarterback, you arguably one of the most important players on the team and be able to win, especially if you hold them to 14 points. This team's biggest flaw is the inconsistent run game and the bad offensive line. Sam Howell is projected to be sacked for the most of any quarterback in a single season in NFL history. And it's absurd and it's not good. You're going to get this guy killed, whether it's durability with injuries or his confidence. You are going to kill his confidence if he keeps getting hit as much as he has. And you know what? The offense never was able to get anything going. A measly seven points is all they could take away. As of right now, the commanders who I thought could have held in for a wild card spot fall at three and four now, and I'm kind of losing faith in them. Another game I got wrong, Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing to the Atlanta Falcons. If I had told you that the Atlanta Falcons didn't even have Bajan Robinson the majority of this game because of a illness last minute, would you have believed that they would have beaten the Buccaneers? No. Would you have believed they would have beaten the Buccaneers if they only scored 16 points? No. But somehow Desmond Ritter found Kyle Pitts for a huge gain in the final minutes of the game to kick a game-winning field goal as time expired to take the lead in the division. Now, I have been telling you, I like this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team a lot. I think that they're a very balanced team. I think they're a solid team. And in a weaker NFC South, I thought that they were probably the team to beat. With the veteran quarterback play and the solid vets kind of all around on the team. This team now kind of has blown multiple big opportunities. You played a Lion team a couple weeks ago that really could have tested you, and that could have been a big statement win against the, at time, 4-1 and one Lions. Well, you had that chance, and you couldn't even put up a touchdown on them. Now you go in and play your division rival, another home game, and you lost that one there, even though you held the Falcons to only 16 points. This has to be a gut punch to Tampa Bay fans. As in my eyes, if you're a real division championship kind of team or a team that's looking to make a playoff spot, losing back-to-back home games to NFC opponents is not the way to do that. Basic math here. Let's say somehow the Lions and the Buccaneers tie record-wise. Well, guess who beat who? Lions make the postseason. How about the Falcons? They now have a tiebreaker over you as well in the standings, and they're a game ahead now. So, again, not a good look for Tampa Bay. This is a absolute gut punch you hate to see it but i'm not too surprised moving on to a game i didn't want to pick the las vegas raiders and the chicago bears honestly with how these picks went this week i'm starting to think maybe it would just be smarter for my game to not pick teams because like if i just don't have confidence i just don't pick the game because man brian hoyer versus tason badgett or whatever the the Bears quarterback Tyson Badgett. I think that's his name. Sorry if I'm butchering it, but it was his first start ever. And you know what? He got a game ball for the Chicago Bears because they dropped a 30-burger on the Las Vegas Raiders. I know it came out uh, that the Raiders were not interested in trading Devontae Adams despite his criticisms of the team. Honestly, right now, I would be shopping him immediately between Jimmy Garoppolo having more turnovers than he has touchdowns on the season, Brian Hoyer being terrible, or Aiden O'Connell not being ready. Honestly, you might just need a punt on this season. Sell Devontae Adams for as many draft picks as you can get and try and start from scratch because losing to the Chicago Bears team with a backup quarterback making his first career start, again, kind of similar mentality I have with the Commanders losing to the Giants, but probably a little worse. You should have beaten the Bears. 
Moving on to the next game, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I hate to say it. I might have a tinfoil hat on my head right now. Was this game just designed for the Browns to win? Phantom calls left and right, desperately helping a Browns team with a backup quarterback march right down the field and conveniently score to end the game. I really did think that the Colts put up a great fight, and you know what? I will give credit. This has nothing to do with their performance, but you know what? The blackout uniforms are cooler than I thought. That's all I could really take away from this Colts team. Gardner Minshew is now 0-8 in games that he passes for 300 yards. At this rate, if I am a head coach that is coaching Gardner Minshew and he's at 299, I'm benching him. I'm not putting him in the game if it means that he could curse us and get to 0-9 in his career. I'm not going to let him pass for 300. The Cleveland Browns, despite Deshaun Watson getting hit pretty hard, but he passed a concussion test. He decided to still sit out in the second half of the game, allowing PJ Walker to come in, throw the game passing touch or the game. Uh, what am I? What, what is the term I'm thinking of here? The lead taking touchdown. Okay. I don't know what my brain just did there, but it fell apart. Uh, speaking of falling apart, let's talk about my Detroit line. Oh, what? Oh my gosh. Something. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to scream into my emotional support support blanket after uh, looking at the Lions' score again. Uh, yes, with a chance to get to 6-1 and one for the first time since the 1960s or something like that, the Detroit Lions marched into Baltimore and, I guess, got back on the team bus. Yes, no, it was not a pretty game at all for Detroit. A 38-6 shellacking Yes, that is the worst score of the day. It was the uh, most one-sided score as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked un unstoppable. When they tried to contain him, he just sat in the pocket long enough to find the guy he needed. When they tried to blitz him, he always avoided it and ran and, and burned the defense. Uh, the offense could never get going fast enough for Detroit. Honestly, tip of the cap to the Ravens. I think they finally solidified themselves as the face of the AFC North, something that I said for a while now. I was like, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincy, who's really the good team in this? Because obviously not all four are making the playoffs. I think that it's this Baltimore team that really is the team to beat here. They have been inconsistent at times, and that's partially why they were 4-2 and two instead of 5-1 and one going into this game. But you know what? Baltimore... I know they've been inconsistent at times this year, but when they are playing their best football, they are one of the best teams in all of the NFL. So congratulations, Baltimore, with a huge win. As for the Lions, that was an ugly one. It's hard to kind of talk about good things after a performance like that, but you know what I will say? The Lions were able to, to have a good run, and this was a loss that was due on the schedule. I mean, you don't necessarily win all these road games like they have been winning um, at Tampa Bay, at Green Bay. You don't win road games forever. This is another road game they had. It's about time they lost one. They're getting really banged up, not only in their secondary, but with their run game. They were missing kind of the heart and soul of their team in David Montgomery. Um, he's a guy that makes a lot of third downs more third and manageable. Look at the Buccaneers game and then look at this uh, Ravens game. A lot of third downs for the Lions in the Bucks game were about third and threes. For this game, they were about third and eights. That does change a lot of how the play calling goes in this one. If I'm a Lions fan, my expectations are now beat the Raiders because they're most likely not even going to have Jimmy Garoppolo next week. Beat them at home on Monday Night Football and then rest up for a bye week. You got a Chargers team that might be firing their head coach in a couple weeks. You can still jump to seven and two with the chance to beat two divisional opponents 
in Chicago and Green Bay, you have a good chance of still wrapping this division up before you even play Minnesota this year. Moving on to Pittsburgh and the Rams. I picked the Rams in this one at home. Apparently so did 80% of the nation, but you know what? We were all wrong. The Steelers somehow, once again, found a way to beat a Rams team that I think has been pretty solid this season. Um, they now fall to 3-4, and four, though, and this was kind of a must-win game for the Rams. I, I always, my philosophy with winning games in, in the NFL, you got to win your home games. I mean, half of your games are usually built-in home games, which means if you're a real playoff team and you win out at home, you really need to win one or two road games. This was one that was was very easy for them to win. I'm not going to say easy, but expected of them to win, especially if they're trying to do what they were two years ago, uh, a Super Bowl com competitive team. Cooper Cup's back. Aaron Donald's back and healthy. Matthew Stafford's back. He's not missing games this year. And despite that, they there are just times where this team doesn't look good. I want to keep instilling this narrative. I don't want to sound repetitive, but I want to keep letting the listeners know I view this team as a very hollow team. And while the top end talent shines at times, like Puka Nakua being an absolute steal gem of, of the NFL draft, probably the steal of the draft so far, or let's talk about Aaron Donald still being an elite defensive player, Matthew Stafford being a solid quarterback, Cooper Cup, a great receiver. They're hollow because they don't have anything behind them. And so the top end talent shines at times, but then all of the big glaring holes, uh, I'm talking about weakness in the secondary. I'm talking about lack of offensive line protection at times. These are the reasons why the, a team like the Steelers came in and beat them at home, despite the Steelers not being a great offensive team. Up next, we had kind of an ugly one between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Seahawks got it done. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I've said for several times this season, are the toughest 6-1 team you can see. I understand that their record is bad. I'll be honest, they play hard, they, they compete with teams for a half, and then they lose the game. It's going to be what their expectations are this year with all of the veteran pieces they lost. J.J. Watt, Kyler Murray still not back. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins leaving for absolutely nothing. Yeah, the fact that this Cardinals team can still build something up out of nothing and contain a good draft pick for next year, they're doing everything that they've been asked to do. As for Seattle, you're four and two, and while this wasn't the most convincing win on the planet, you are looking good in the standings right now after a bunch of crazy upsets have happened this week. Seattle is kind of in the top 10 of most teams in my eyes, and I think they will continue to do that for the majority of the season. Last week's slip-up definitely hurt in a winnable game against Cincinnati, but with this win, they stay near the top for this 49ers. If you know, Maybe there's an upset brewing tomorrow. Who knows, crazy with, especially with how crazy this weekend has been. I wouldn't be against it, but Seattle is still in the hunt for the division, and I think they're the real only threat to the San Francisco 49ers as of right now. This one was a bit of a surprise to me. I picked the Packers to beat the Broncos today wrong um jordan love has times where he does look good but then there are times where he looks really bad i think that this team's core alone 
actually is pretty good. The defense is solid. They only gave up 19 points today. The offense is the problem, though. It's so, so young. The Green Bay Packers are one of the youngest teams in football. I told you the David Bakhtiari loss. Since he has been gone protecting Jordan Love, he has fewer uh, seconds in the pocket. He has less time. He's got more pressure. And for a young quarterback, that's never good. On top of it, all of his receivers, Jaden Reed is a first-year receiver, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, they're both second-year receivers. How about Luke Musgrave? He's a first-year tight end. He is Jordan Love is the most experienced player on this offense right now, and it's his first year starting. So I understand it was kind of shocking. The Packers really kind of suck right now at two and four. But you know what? I still think maybe by mid-season a gear is going to click. I think this Packers team is still going to be probably a seven-eight win team. They do have a rough schedule. They still have to play Kansas City this year. But you know what? Um, again, don't give up on the Jordan Love train yet because there's no one else in the league that is going through the youth movement that the Packers are going through right now. Moving on to the next one, the Chiefs got a fairly comfortable win against the Chargers. It was close for a half, but the Chiefs pulled away late. Um, it was the Mahomes, Kelsey, Taylor Swift show all over again that we've seen for the last several weeks now. You wonder when the script writers of the NFL are going to come up with a new plot, but for, for now, this one's killing it in the ratings right now. For the Chargers, Brandon Staley, one more loss, another week where he's probably going to be on the hot seat. It's not getting any easier for this Chargers team. At two and four, they're one of the worst teams in all of football record-wise. Like, when you think of the talent of the Chargers, and then I name some records. Like, these are the records they are tied with right now. The Titans, the Packers, and the Vikings. You think they're all better than them, aren't you? And then you realize that this defense has given up more points than all of those teams I just named. Yes. So, the Chargers are severely struggling. Brandon Staley is an absolute hack of a head coach, and it's not getting any easier for them. Despite being in a mediocre division, in my personal opinion this year, the Chargers still have found ways to lose games that you, you really think they would need to win. They have a game against the Bears on Sunday Night Football next week. Will they be able to bounce back? They desperately need to because their next few games are going to be a lot tougher. They go to the Jets versus the Lions at the Packers, and then versus the Ravens. I could see that maybe being a two and three stretch right there alone. So keep an eye on the Chargers. This is a rough patch, and it only got rougher with a loss here against Kansas City. Up next, we got our Sunday night football recap. What took place here? Well, I picked the Dolphins, and um, the Dolphins lost, and this was not the right move. I don't know what I was thinking with this pick. Um, First things first, the Eagles were debuting the Kelly Green jerseys. If that's not a sign to pick them, I don't know what is. Second thing, they come back from an ugly road loss back to their home crowd on primetime. The other thing I will say with it are the Eagles actually match up better with the Dolphins than I was expecting. Once the Eagles can get a lead on a team, they can shut down a team like the Miami Dolphins because they run the life out of the ball, and they run the clock down quickly. The Eagles got off to a quick lead, and because of that, they were able to just brotherly shove each other over for first down after first down after first down and absolutely milk the life out of the clock. It wasn't really a close game by any means. And, um, yeah, 31-17. to 17. I mean, th 
what are you even expecting from it? The the Eagles had 36 minutes uh, time of possession to the Miami Dolphins 23. And if it wasn't for a pick six um, in, in the second half of the game, it really wouldn't have been as close as it was. Uh, this was a very, very convincing victory for an Eagles team that hasn't had many convincing victories this year. So I do applaud them. You might be atop my power rankings this upcoming week. So that leads us to our final game of the week, and that is going to be the uh, San Francisco 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings. I will do a quick breakdown of this game in our second segment. Need to get some water, need to do a quick break, and then we'll be right back at it. All right, it's time to break down our primetime matchup tomorrow between San Francisco and Minnesota. To start things off, let's break down kind of what these teams have been going through this year. To start things off, the San Francisco 49ers come into this game at 5-1. and one. Now, that one loss was from last week where a lot of people thought they were going to come in and beat a Cleveland Browns team uh, pretty handily like they've been doing all season long. But an injury to Devo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey leaving the game, and some maybe questionable referee calls, well, ended up costing this team a loss. The first time they've looked human all season long. Brock Purdy struggled through an interception. The offense really shut down. Couldn't even get over 20 points in that game. And a game-winning field goal ended up being um, a miss. And they lost to the Cleveland Browns. They looked to bounce back against the Minnesota team trying to find their identity again. If you did not know, the Minnesota Vikings were one of the luckiest teams in all of football last year. By luck, I'm not necessarily necessarily saying everything was a fluke. They had talent on their team. But I had some concerns from last year's Vikings team to this year's. Last year, they were a 13-win team that won the majority of their games, 10 of them, by one score or less. They went undefeated in one-score games, something that is absolutely absurd if you ask me. It's almost mathematically impossible to do, especially in the NFL. After that season where they lost at home to the Giants in the wild card round, well, Minnesota decides, yeah, we're going to move on from Dalvin Cook. We're going to kind of move on from some of our pieces. Um, they moved on from a lot of veteran talent. Cutting Patrick Peterson, Zadarius Smith, they moved on from a lot of pieces, traded them away, and kind of rebuilt within. But they didn't add a ton in free agency. Um, some of their biggest uh, free agent signings like Marcus Davenport are now on IR. Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in football right now, is also going to be out. Overall, this is a team with the mentality of a win-now roster without the success of it, I would say. You got to say that they're probably one of the best teams with a losing record this year because all of their games have been fairly close. It's the exact opposite of last year. All they do is lose one score games. Buccaneers, it was a field goal game. Eagles, a fumble into the end zone. They had a chance to win that one. How about the Chargers lose by four? An interception on the goal line. They beat the Panthers, and if it wasn't for bad uh, offensive play by the Panthers, that would have been closer. Then they lose to the Chiefs by seven, and then they beat the Bears on the road. This is going to be the toughest competition that the Vikings have faced, and they still have a gauntlet of a schedule. Obviously, they lost to the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Eagles already. They still have to play the Packers twice and the Bengals. So uh, I am worried about this Vikings team. I don't think the playoffs are an expectation for this team anymore. If they are going to have any hope, my goodness, they need it in this game. If they fall to 2-5, and five, you got to imagine that their 
season mentality is pretty much over when it comes to the expectations they had. I'd say some of the biggest flaws in this team, the biggest problems of why they're at where they're at, are losses to important positions. First off, their defense wasn't great last year. Moving on from Patrick Peterson and Zadarius Smith, um, these are pieces of a team that already were a weak defense that they decided to move on from. Marcus Davenport has been okay, but now he's on IR and isn't going to be playing for a while. Overall, this defense is very bad and could be exposed quickly by San Francisco's offense if they're not careful. Another thing that I have a problem with is the run game. Let's compare run games between the two teams. As of right now, San Francisco is averaging about 150 yards a game rushing, as opposed to the Vikings, who are rushing about 75 yards per game. That is a huge difference, and it just shows... Um, the correlations of these teams. One of them loves, honestly, let's just say it. Let's just say it. Uh, San Francisco can do anything that they want with the football on offense if they really want to. They have weapons at every position. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. They have a weapon at every skill position that could be an all pro. And it shows with how easy it is for Brock Purdy to make the right decision. When I'm looking at the team stats, one thing I look at would be that the fact that the 49ers allow about 80 yards of rushing per game. So they're a pretty good run defense against a pretty bad run offense. That's going to be a mismatch. The only thing I will say, too, is that the Minnesota Vikings average about 280 yards through the air per game this season. And the 49ers only allow about 215. So the biggest weapon of the of the Vikings versus a very good weapon of the 49ers defense who will win that matchup? Personally, I'm seeing the 49ers winning that one only because Justin Jefferson's out. Those passing yards were when he was healthy. And with him out, this Vikings team looks a lot different. So where am I at with this one? I'm going to pick the 49ers. I think the Vikings fall to 2-5. and five. That is a crazy situation right now because honestly, when I first kind of looked into this season, the NFC North I thought wasn't going to be very top-heavy. I thought it was going to either be the Lions or the Packers being pretty solid, and then there was going to be a bunch of teams in the middle. But if the Vikings do lose this, that means the best team behind Detroit is the 2-4 and four Packers, which is just crazy to me, and they've lost three straight games. So overall, the Vikings need this if they're going to have any playoff hopes because 3-4, and four, you could still argue they could go on a bit of a run. But at 2-5... and five, with two games against the Lions still, a, a visit against the, the Bengals, and, and they still have to play the Packers. I mean, I don't think that this is going to be a season where they uh, live up to the expectations that Minnesota was expecting at the beginning of the year. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers in this one. You've already known that if you listen to my Thursday episode, but I like breaking these primetime games down a little bit more. So that is where I'm at. How did your team do? Uh, for me, my Lions, I'm just going to, you know, it's quick. We're over it quick. We're just going to move on to next week. Hopefully beat the Raiders pretty soundly um, on Monday night football, get to the bye week and get healed up, which we desperately need. And then we can start playing better football. Um, how did your team do? I know there's fans of all different sports teams. I got Falcon fans. I got Brown fans. I got all sorts of fans. I will say to my Browns fans out there, what did you think of that, about those calls? I don't want to necessarily rip on your team saying that the refs rigged it for them, but I will say I, 
man, that that hold on Amari Cooper or pass interference. The interesting thing with pass interference, too, is that has to be a catchable ball. And I don't think there was any way that Amari Cooper was going up and getting that ball anyway. So let me know what you think about that game. That had to be the game of the week, though, um, in my eyes. 39-38, it was a shootout. Uh, crazy plays all over, and there was a lot of energy to it. So that had to be my game of the week. And, uh, yeah, what did you think about your team uh, overall? It was an upset-filled week. Um, Tomorrow, on Tuesday, we're going to be talking about uh, college football, the biggest plays, the biggest upsets, the ranking sheets, uh, all of that fun stuff. Who's my Heisman frontrunner? That is a lot blurrier now with uh, what's happened with Caleb Williams and USC dropping two strike games. So we'll talk all about the college football stuff tomorrow on Tuesday, but Monday we always got to do a recap of the crazy week in the NFL. So. My name's Max. This has been Max Sports. I love y'all people. See you next episode. Adios.